keys. How many of you would be willing? Hands up. Hands up everywhere. Yeah, some of you are like, absolutely. Uh, how many of you, put your hands down, how many of you are like me? You know where things are all the time. Everything's got a place. It always goes in that place. So when you need it, yeah, all the anointed people got their hands up. I'm telling you, right right now. Uh, the people who have their hands up just a second ago, those are the people you can loan your tools to. Everybody else avoid like the plague, right? Just words, words to live by. I think a lot of people... Uh, in life are missing things. I think, I think when we look at um, the thing like our car keys that are what we need to start the engine of our car that help us go from point A to point B, I think there are some keys that people are missing in their life that help them move along in life from point A to point B. Some people have just stalled out and are stuck. People are missing purpose. I feel like there are many people who go through the motions of their life, but their passion for living seems to be very small. And I think there are a couple keys that Proverb reveals to us that when we embed them and we grab a hold of those keys, we will begin to discover a new level of passion for our lives. And we'll live with a greater sense of purpose and a greater sense of of passion, I believe uh, those two keys are this, kindness and generosity. Kindness and generosity are the keys that you need to unlock the passion for life. Some of you might be sitting back saying, I don't know that I would agree with that, Pastor. I think, I think having lots of money means that I'm going to have some passion. And uh, I, I think that uh, when all of my problems go away, that means that I'm going to be pretty passionate. When my marriage is awesome, uh, then I know I'll be passionate about life. But that's not, that's not the case. I think there are two keys, and these keys are what you need to actually unlock things that you feel like your life has been locked away from. There are things that seem like they might be missing in your life. I'm, I, today, as we talk, I'm going to use every ounce of persuasion inside of me, every element of intellect and charisma to help you see today that kindness and generosity are keys that you need in your life to discover a new level of passion and purpose. And I think we're going to see it straight from God's word. So Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 17, it says this from the message translation. When you're kind to others, you help yourself. When you are kind to others, you actually are helping yourselves. When you're cruel to others, you hurt yourself. When you are kind to others, you help yourself, but when you're cruel to others, it doesn't actually do them damage, it actually does damage to you. And when you lend a helping hand, when you're kind to somebody else, you're not just kind to them. There's something that happens inside of you in return that you weren't expecting, you sometimes can't quantify, but there's something in you that shifts and that changes. Proverbs tells us that it's, uh, it changed something happens in us when we are kind to other people. Uh, Jesus said it like this. It's more blessed when you give than when you're on the receiving end. When you are kind to somebody else who isn't kind to you, there is an element of satisfaction that shows up in your life and in your heart that is sometimes unquantifiable. When we bless others, there is something that changes inside our own hearts. Whether you're doing some random act of kindness for somebody or you're doing something intentionally to be kind, there is something in you that just 
fills what is like this void in our lives. And I think it's because if all of our pursuits are for personal, uh, personal purposes, or if all of our pursuits are innately selfish, we will always be missing something. And it is only when we choose to be a distributor that we actually become and receive something on the receiving end from, from God. It, it's more blessed to give than, than receive. But, but here's the deal when it comes to kindness. Pity is not the same thing as compassion. Have you, have you noticed that? Pity is not the same thing as having compassion. Something can happen in somebody else's life and you feel sorry for them. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about having pity. We're talking about having compassion. People don't need your pity. They need your passion. People don't need you just to feel sorry for them. Well, I'm sorry, that, that's rough for you. No, they need your kindness. They, they need you to, to show them some compassion. Proverbs 14 and, and verse 31 says this. You insult your maker when you exploit the powerless. When you're kind to the poor, you actually honor God. Proverbs 14.21 says, it's criminal to ignore a neighbor in need. Talk about some strong language, right? It's criminal to ignore a neighbor in need. But compassion for the poor, ah, what a blessing. Proverbs 21 and verse 13 says, if you stop your ears to the cries of the poor, check this out, your cries will go unheard and unanswered. Is it possible that many people feel an element of helplessness in their own lives because they have failed to be a help to other people? The Bible says you reap what you sow. The, if, if there's going to come a time where you know you're going to need help from somebody else, the Bible says you need to pre-invest into that and make a pre-decision that you're going to be a help to somebody. Giving kindness to somebody else, showing kindness to the people are around you is something that God wants to do through us. It's something that unlocks a level of passion that you wouldn't have otherwise seen. It's not being kind because other people are kind. It's being kind because we are just kind people. And it's when we do that and we live that way that there is something missing that begins to show up in our lives. Something comes alive inside of you when you choose to serve and sacrifice someone else for someone else. Not sacrifice someone else. That's a different religion altogether. But when you choose to serve someone else, without expecting them to ever be able to repay you, when you make a personal sacrifice for someone else, something comes alive inside of you. I think Jesus talked about that. Didn't he tell us that if we wanted to gain the whole world, but yet we lose our soul, what good is that? And anybody who tries to grab a hold of life will eventually lose it. But anybody who chooses to forfeit their life, forfeit their selfishness, forfeit their own personal gain, anybody who chooses to lay down their life for another will actually find life. The key to finding life, the key to finding passion is to give it away. It's to give it away. I wonder for those of you that might feel like you've struggled in life again and again and again. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a financial thing. Maybe you just feel like you constantly are depressed and you feel like there's been a constant struggle. I wonder if the, the key that unlocks your struggle is found when you start to serve somebody else who's struggling. 
One of the best things that recovering people can do who are recovering from lifelong um, addictions is to actually begin to tell their story and serve somebody else who can't help themselves just yet. Why? Because the Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So there's something that will be unlocked. If you're missing passion, it's time to give passion away to somebody else. If if you're you're missing something, it's time to serve. If you're struggling in an area, it's time to help somebody else out. Something happens when you choose to live a life of service to someone else that comes alive on the inside of you. It's this idea of if you have a need, why don't you start sowing some seed? If there's something that you need in life, maybe it's time to start sowing in life. You might not be at a place where you can help people who are struggling with the same thing. You might not be strong enough there, but you can start serving somebody in another capacity, right? Like if you're struggling with uh, an addiction, maybe not go help and hang out with other people who have that same addiction, Right? Like, if your marriage isn't healthy, don't go and hang out with other people whose marriages aren't healthy trying to help them out. That's like two blind people trying to lead blind people to somewhere helpful. That's not going to help you. You got to hang out with somebody stronger. But maybe you can, maybe you can help somebody who's struggling financially. Maybe if you're struggling financially, but you've got a great marriage, you can be an encouragement to somebody who doesn't have a great marriage. If you've overcome loneliness and you're on the victory side of loneliness, maybe it's time to reach out and to help other people not feel lonely. And then in the process, you yourself won't be lonely. Do you see how there's a constant, there's a reciprocating thing that takes place when you have a need and you sow a seed, you end up reaping a harvest. Here's the deal, here's the deal. If you choose to show compassion, then God can fill your life with actual passion. But when you choose to withhold compassion, then passion will never grow in your life. Kindness matters. Proverbs chapter 11 goes on. He doesn't only talk about kindness in that. I want you to see what Proverbs 11 verse 24 and 25 says. It says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, but the world of the stingy, it gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. And those who help others are helped. The world of the generous gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy just gets smaller and smaller. Two keys we're talking about today, kindness and generosity. Kindness and generosity. I I believe that generosity is the key identifier of Christ followers. In other words, if you identify yourself as a follower of Christ, yet you are stingy, I believe there's more work that God is trying to do in your heart. I do not, let me say it another way. Generosity is not an option for Christians. Because as Christ followers, we're here to replicate and represent Jesus and our Heavenly Father. Am I right? Yes or yes? That's our job. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave. We can't represent a giving God if we're not a giving people. If we're always looking to take and never looking to give, we're not representing Jesus correctly. We're not... 
Generosity is not an option. In fact, some of you are like, well, I don't, I don't have much money. Generosity isn't limited to financial things. It entails financial things, but it is not solely financial things. The currency of generosity is seen in your time, in your talent, and in your treasure. Generosity is threefold. It's your time, it's your talent, and your treasure. I believe that as people of God, God will be seen through our lives when we are generous with our time, when we are generous with our talents, and when we are generous with our treasure. It's not an option for Christ followers. This is the deal. This is what God says. And the world of the generous, it just gets larger and larger because you can't out-generous a generous God. If God is looking for people to entrust things with, he's first looking for people who are generous. Because if you have an open hand of generosity, God can fill an open hand. But if you are closed-fisted in your time, your talents, and your treasure, then God can't get any more into your hand anyways. It's when we release it. When we choose to give our time, when we choose to give our talents, when we choose to give our talent, treasure to God, God can fill that up again. Proverbs 22 and verse 9 says this, generous hands are blessed hands because they give bread to the poor. Proverbs 28 and verse 27 says, be generous to the poor. You'll never go hungry. Shut your eyes to their needs and you'll run a gauntlet of curses. Generosity matters. Proverbs 25 and 21, if you see your enemy hungry, go buy him lunch. If he's thirsty, bring him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with, his, with goodness, and God will look after you. Kindness and generosity are the keys that unlock a new level of passion in your life. Unlock a level of satisfaction in your life that you have yet to see. Kindness and generosity matter a great deal to the kingdom of God. I want our lives, I want uh, our hearts to continue to grow larger and larger. How many of you could use more time in your daily schedule? The way you increase your time is by choosing to give some time away. Why? It's just how the kingdom of God works. How many of you could use some help every now and then? The way you get help and, and know that it's going to come is by you choosing to be a help from time to time, using your talents, using your, your time, using your treasure. You will never outgive a generous God. It's the key identifier to us as Christ followers. Amen? But I, I can hear the, but, 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 pastor. But, 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 Pat, you don't understand my current situation. But, 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 Pastor, you don't understand. I, I, I worked real hard for what I got. I, I, I don't have a lot of time to give away. I've got all these other things, all these other. other. But, 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 Pastor, here's, here's what I, I don't want us to do. I don't want us to ever downplay our contribution. I don't have much. I can't give much. I can't serve a whole lot. I can't do this. If we discredit and discount our ability to contribute, we are effectively telling God he can no longer count on us. Yeah, but I, I can't do what everybody else does. I'm not this way. I'm not that way. If we start telling God why we can't, we're effectively telling God he shouldn't trust us with it. 
If we discount our contribution, but you don't understand, Pastor, it's a huge problem. I mean, there's so many good causes, and there's so much bad things to serve. I mean, people are hungry. We've got people, elderly, who are sick and need food. And then we've got kids who don't have school supplies. And, and we've got uh, um, uh, other good causes to support and give. And we've got overseas things. And we've got this, this initiative and this club that needs some support. And these people want my time. And my neighbors need this and other people. And I want to serve at the church, but I don't have time for this. And, and my kids, let's not even talk about our family stuff. And, and the list goes on and on and on. And we think that because the problem is so big that we can't make a difference in a small way. Says who? Listen, your value is not based on what you contribute. But your contribution is valuable. Your value will never be based on, your con- on the scale of contribution that you make. But every contribution is valuable. Every contribution is valuable. Every single one matters. It matters to God every single time. Every little bit matters. I read a story this week in USA Today about a young man who had gotten a job. And uh, on the the night uh, before he was heading to his job in Alabama, I believe it was, his car broke down. And his first day on the job was in the morning, and he quickly looked up uh, how long it would take him to get from where he was at to there, and he discovered it was going to be like seven hours. So he got up at like uh, like 11 o'clock at night, and he started walking from there to where he needed to go to, to get to the job on the first day, because he wanted to, everybody to know that he was dependable, that he could be counted on, and that he was going to fulfill his commitment. So he started to walk, started to walk. I mean, he had texted friends, he had texted his girlfriend, texted other people that he knew, but nobody was available that day to drive him that distance. So he decided, I've got two legs, I'm going to start walking. He didn't look at what he couldn't do, he just looked at what he could do and decided, let's make something happen. So he started to walk. And as he was walking, uh, it was around like 4 a.m., I think, a police officer pulled over and saw that he was walking, found out what was going on, heard the story and says, get in. Took him, got him some food, drove him a good ways uh, where he was about, I don't know, maybe a 30-minute walk to where he needed to go. Uh, Figured it all out, took care of him, said, hey, man, here you go. Have a great day. Was really pumped, excited that he was doing this, working hard, trying to not let people down. Fast forward the story, another police officer heard about it over the radio that next morning, came, picked up the guy, delivered him to the house where he needed to go to start with his moving company. They started sharing this all over social media. Eventually, uh, the CEO of the company got wind of the story of his new employee, who was so committed to a job that he had never started, decided to, to go, went down, met him at the end of the day, gave this young man his own car. And set him up and says, this is what exemplifies the character of the people that are working in our organization. And we, we, want, to, we want to reward this kind of character. Kindness and generosity changed the storyline of a story. What contribution can you make? Which was the greatest contribution? Was it the police officer who gave him a ride? Was it the man who decided he was going to walk? Was it the second police officer? Was it the CEO? Was it the lady who he was helping to move uh, that day, he, he was working for a moving company. She was the one who heard his story that day as he was packing up her house, loading it up into the truck, who shared it on social media. Who was the most important contribution of the story? All of them. All of them. All of them had a part to play. 
we have to stop discounting what we think we can give and start trusting what God has put in us is enough for the moment. We cannot discount and discredit what God is doing in our lives. I believe that we need to live with a model that says, I want to do for one what I wish I could do for all. I want to do for one. Man, what I wish I, I wish as a church we could take care of every single student Kindergarten through 12th grade. I wish as a church, and one day, by the grace of God, I believe we're going to do this. Supply school supplies to every student in our entire district so they don't, they don't ever have to buy another school supply. I believe one day we'll be able to do that for every teacher that works in our school district. Why? Because I believe we're going to make a difference. But until we can pay for all of it, let's do for one what we wish we could do for all. Next, in two Sundays on August the 5th, we're going to have our second Backpack Sunday. We did this last year, where every student, kindergarten through 12th grade, that is here on Sunday is going to get a free backpack. We're going to pray over them. We're going to celebrate them. We're going to say, we love you. We're behind you. We believe in you. And we're going to give them a free backpack. Why? Because we want to do for one what we wish we could do for everybody. Why? Because of the faithful generosity of the people who make this place their home. People who give on a weekly basis. We take 10% every month of the tithes and offerings that come in, and we set it aside to do outreach so that we can do for one what we wish we could do for all. This Last year, we were able, uh, using that same kind of idea, we... Uh, gave 209 students all the school supplies in elementary school that they needed to, to start their school year. We, we paid for them all. This year, uh, we're doing it a little bit different. We got word from one of, um, one of the, the teachers uh, made a list in elementary school of the kids in their classroom this year who they know desperately, desperately needed school supplies. There's about 52 of them. We're paying and taking care of all of those school supplies. Uh, we got, uh, started talking to some of the administrators in the schools, and they said, you know what would be great this year? is uh, we have a kind of an influx of incoming students who are moving new to the district. They've, they've never been here. And so from elementary school all the way through high school this year, students who are registering into the district, moving into the district, we are at their day of registration. When they sign up, not only are we giving them a free backpack, but we're giving them a gift card to Walmart that will take care of all of the school supplies that they need. So they're already paying registration costs, and then all of a sudden they're going to say, oh, by the way, there's a group of people who love to be generous, and they've made it possible. You don't need to worry about school supplies here's the funds that you need to go go pick out your school supplies come on can we tell God how awesome it is what a great opportunity we have yeah but pastor what about this other district and what about these other the problems are so big it's so big you're right it is but let's do for one what we wish we could do for all let's stop discounting what we think we can do and let's start stepping out in faith and doing what we know we can do it's little by little, it's kindness and it's generosity that unlocks some things for us. So the question is, what do we do when we start seeing needs all around? What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? How, how do we decide what we give to? How do we decide what we serve, what we volunteer? How do we decide these things? Let me, let me give you three quick things that I think can help you. Number one, you need to pray and ask God, what is my part? What's my part? When you see a need in the community, when you see a need in your neighborhood, when you see a need 
presented within the church community. When you see a need that goes around globally, you need to stop and ask God, God, what is my part? It's true, there are a lot of needs. But God doesn't tell us specifics, every scenario, what we're supposed to do. As a church, I do this often. God, what are the partnerships that you want us to start? Who are the organizations that you want us to partner with as a church body? We know generally God wants us to be kind and generous, but what about the specifics? He never, never in God's word did I ever find him saying, hey, always support a Celsi ministry in Guatemala. That's not specific in God's word. The general idea and the concept of generosity is in the Bible, supporting and getting the word out abroad. We want to do that. But we had to pray and say, God, what part do you want us specifically to play? Same thing with the beacon here locally. We could start our own food bank because there's a lot of people who need food. But the beacon is already doing that. So rather than try and do that, it's on our hearts. We decided to create a partnership and we we monthly support the beacon. Why? Because we want to help people in need and they're doing a great job doing it. So we're going to keep supporting them in the process. We can't do everything, but we can do Something You have to ask the question, what's, what's my part? What's my part? If God is opening your eyes to see it, he is likely gracing you to tend to it. If God is opening your eyes to see it, he's likely gracing you to tend to it. So don't discount it. Can you give? Can you serve? Can you pray? Can you facilitate a connection? Can you spread the word? Can you write a note of encouragement? What can you do? What is my part in this God? And then... Ask God what your part is, and then obey it in faith. Whatever he says your part is, take a step of faith and do it. Random acts of kindness make a lasting impact. What is it that God is asking you to do? Decide to obey in faith. And then, after you ask God, then you obey in faith. Once you're doing it for a while, invite other people to come along with you. What are the relationships God's placed into your hands? Who are the people that are in your life that can help you in this endeavor, this thing that you're passionate about? Listen, not everybody is passionate about the things that God has made you passionate about. We cannot live offended because other people aren't passionate about the same things that we're passionate about. Again, if God is giving you eyes to see it, he's likely gracing you to do something about it. And so in that meantime, we're just praying, God, who, who are you sending to partner with me in this process? Who, who, God, can we partner together? I would love, as a church, to have multiple connect groups that are there just to serve within the context of our community. People that get together, they build relationship, they care for one another, and then weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, they go out and find a place to serve in our community. Not every connect group will be like that, but I want to see connect groups get started that do just that. Why? Because there are those of you sitting in this seat, man, you love God, you love the word, but you are action-oriented people. You want to do something, and maybe God's dropping it in your heart to lead such a group. Maybe it's time to pray, say, God, what do you want me to do about that? And then begin to take some steps of faith along the way. Here's the bottom line today, guys. I believe that we need to have kindness as our demeanor and generosity as our endeavor. We need to live lives to where we say kindness, it's always going to be our demeanor. 
We're going to smile. We're going to speak softly. We're going to encourage other people. We're always going to look to be kind to other people. That's going to be our demeanor. That's what's going to show up on our face, kindness. That's the posture that we live. But generosity is always going to be our endeavor. We will be people that are on the lookout for ways to be generous. We want to be people who are on the lookout for ways to be generous. God, what's my part? Then take a step of faith and see who can partner with you in the process. Just yesterday, our team of seven from Guatemala just got back in town yesterday morning. And uh, they each individually made a decision to say, God, I hear you saying I have a part to play. They didn't discount what God, what they thought their contribution could be. They didn't tell God no. They just decided to step out in faith and walk in obedience. And I want to invite them to come and share some of their stories. So would you give a hand to uh, six of the seven guys who went to Guatemala? Come on up, guys. Come on up, guys. Come on. I know jet lag. Come on, come on, come on. So glad you guys went and came. They're going to, before they, they left, we had encouraged them. They knew they were going to be doing this. And I said, uh, I told Greg, uh, who led the team, I said, um, here's, here's, here's what I, I want to encourage all of the, the guys who are going. To be asking God, God, what, what part do I get to play? And what is it you want to say to me? In other words, they were on the lookout for experiences that changed them. But also, what is it that God was saying to them in the process? And so I'm going to let them uh, share their name. And they'll tell you if it was their first year or whatever. And then just briefly going to share something that God said and did in them. And uh, just get to hear a little bit of how they stepped out in kindness and in generosity in their, their own lives. Go ahead, Artie. I'm already eating. Uh, this was my first year uh, going down. I kind of wanted to go for many, many years, but uh, this was the first year God was able to bless me with the finances and the capability of being able to go. Um, when we got down there, one thing, and I'm going to apologize now because I'm probably going to cry. One thing that really hit me, uh, Matthew and I were just talking about this, is my personal attitude when I'm stateside. You, you take so much for granted. Every person we encountered down there was cheerful, happy. We didn't know them. We, everybody had that language barrier where they didn't understand a word I said. And I know I didn't understand a word they said, <laughs> but the body language was there. Yes. The, the thankfulness, the generosity... The house that we built for this lady, she was, I mean, I, I've lived paycheck to paycheck. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to struggle financially. I know she was there. I know that's what she was doing. But every time she had a split second, she showed up with drinks and snacks for everybody on that crew. She couldn't afford that, but she did it. That was the only way she knew she could show how thankful she was. She dove right in, and she was dressed in beautiful clothes. Didn't matter. She's traipsing through the concrete with us, and 
helping us cut boards, and she helped Jarrett and I build some some structures and stuff. It it just it blew me away. So awesome. And then immediately when we hit stateside at the airport, you know, we we still had that demeanor about us of just happiness and and happy to be going and a living. And the first people we encountered, they, you know, we're we're cheerful, we're happy, we're exhausted, but we're happy. Yeah. And we're, yeah, hey, yeah. how's it going? And they're just <laughs> yeah. nose up, kept on going. Yeah. I'm like, really? That's amazing, man. I love hearing just the life change that took place in you, a different perspective that changes yeah. not only what you do, but how you go about doing it. I could uh, sit here that's and amazing. explain all day little things that, that hit home throughout, whether it was with the home visits or or the workers at a Celsi, or just anything. I could go all day, and it all weighs heavy on your heart when you're there. Uh, one of the analogies I used with my wife was, you can sit and explain to me the pain that you guys go through during childbirth, and I will never 100% comprehend that. And I've heard for years stories from all these guys that went multiple times of the, the way going down there and serving, it, it hits you when you're there. Yep. And you don't get the full effect until you just do it. You step out and do it. Awesome, man. I'm so glad you got to go. Thank you for, for sharing. Jarrett, why don't, why don't you tell us a little bit, uh, maybe what God did at you or something that you saw that really impacted? Um, the first thing would be that the... Your first U.S. meal at 5 a.m. should not be Whataburger, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Flights may have been almost missed. But um, when I was um, kind of just getting ready for the trip, um, one thing I kept praying to God was in the moments I'm in um, down there to be 100% there, not um, thinking about home or family, and um, God, I mean, he really did that. He did that for me. Um, my, my wife may have not understood that, and, um, but um, it was just a lot of joy and um, happiness of what we could do for the families down there. One um, home visit we went to, um, there was a lady, and she was living with her daughter, and then her daughter had four, four kids. Yeah, and they had um, kind of grown up in the Catholic um, religion. They weren't real deep into it, and um, she just, that's just all they had known, and already, yeah. <laughs> And um, they, she had been in the hospital a couple times, and no one had came and visited, visited her. And she was very thankful that we were there to give her food and pray for her and talk to her. And um, she, the, the 99% of the conversation was not in English. So, yep. We just kind of stood there, smiled, um, um, prayed, prayed in English, but yep. they didn't yeah. understand. 
And that morning, I'd been reading through Matthew 21, 22, I think, and it just says, um, if you believe in what you want, pray for it. And I was just praying to God, like, do something big through me. I was being selfish. Um, do something big through me. And he didn't do it through me, but he did it through other people there. And for, I think, for them, girls said they wanted to accept Jesus as their, as awesome. their Savior. And yeah. um, we didn't do anything. We yep. stood there and smiled and loved and hugged. Yep. yep. And um, it preached the message all on its own. Yeah. Yeah. Man, and, I love uh, that. We contributed our time. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's, what that's we exactly did. right. That's so, awesome. That's so cool. Thanks, thanks, Jared. Uh, Brady, this wasn't your first time going. You first time returning after a little bit, and I have a feeling you you still outworked all of these younger guys, uh, <laughs> up and down a mountain twice twice in a day. I'm sure. But uh, tell tell us a little bit about uh, what what happened in you. Uh, this was my third trip down there. I didn't go last year. Uh, I had every excuse this year not to go. Uh, I've lost both my parents since November. Uh, I had a three-day-old grandchild before we left. And like I said, I had every excuse not to go, but I was committed. I was going to go. I followed. I could have preached your message today, by the way. I know you could. Um, <laughs> I was reading through I'll let Pro- you one time if you really uh, want no, to. No. <laughs> I, was, I read through Proverbs like what we've been doing. I've read these passages many times before, but I had to get down there to a third world country to understand what it was to be generous because we, we strive here in the United States to get ahead. And, but down there, like they've shared, they have nothing, but yet they're happy. They're content, and uh, the home, the home visit that Jarrett was talking about that we we went to. This lady had nothing, but when we left, she comes out with a big bowl of uh, peaches that she had picked off the tree, and she wanted us to have a peach because I mean that's what she could give back to us. And uh, I said, going back to reading Proverbs, I was showing my wife back here ever scripture you had this morning I had highlighted in my Bible this week that I had read down there and it had spoke out to me. Um, before I finish, I'd want to give a shout out to my wife's connect group. They sent down, we didn't count, but probably 200 baby hats that they had made. We sent two suitcases down there to the people. And uh, <clears throat> one day, Michael, they called back to Michael Shedd. Uh, the missionary down there, what all these baby hats was doing in our room because we had unloaded the suitcase into these <laughs> trash bags. And, uh, Everybody was looking for the baby, weren't they? Yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, those were to be given out, you know, to the at the clinic and stuff, and they were very appreciative of that. So awesome, so awesome. They have a clinic there that sees two infants and mothers uh, in the first year of the child's life, and so those are going to go a long way down there. Thank you for, for sharing that. Jared, why don't you share a little bit what, what, what God uh, kind of spoke or did in your heart in just a, just a short time here. Well, before I went down, you know, probably four or five years ago, well, let's see, that's five, seven, about seven years ago, I was very boastful, very proud. Bear with me here. 
First Peter 5, 6 says, humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. I mean, going down there, I felt that it was my due time, you know. People down there were just so thankful and just so gracious and any and everything we did. And here in the United States, we take so much for granted. I mean, like these guys said, there's just, just overwhelming. I mean, it's just. Awesome. That's, that's awesome. Uh, I, w- I want to ask you, how many of you would recommend that other people take this step and go on a trip someday. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Matthew? All right, just keep me. I preached the lesson down there, it went like an hour and a half, so just bear with me. Two minutes. I told them I'd keep my microphone right here. That's right, yeah. So there's, there's so much stuff. Um, one thing I really wanted to share with you this morning, I prepared this lesson out of Nehemiah to preach at the missionary church that we went to. And I'm down there, and I'm reading through a few things, just finishing my preparations for the sermon. And I had just glazed over chapter 3. For those of you that don't know the story, Nehemiah went to rebuild the walls of Jericho, or of Jerusalem and the city, and everything that goes on there, it's, it's great. Um, I'll preach a lesson to you some other time. But I'm taking a moment, and I'm reading through chapter 3. And every single verse in chapter 3 is name after name after name of people who laid a stone and built part of a gate and cut a beam and put the arch in. And each one of them was doing something completely different. And it didn't matter that one guy was the ruler of a land called Kali, and it didn't matter that the next guy next to him was a farmer from out in the fields, and the next guy was a goldsmith, and the next guy was the trash collector. It did not matter who they were. What mattered was they put their hands to work for God. And what he really spoke to me was, I don't care who you are. I don't care what you used to do. And I don't care who you were. I care who you are now. And you're building my kingdom. And I want you out there laying stones day after day. Amen. Amen. Come on. That's so good. Goes right along. These guys had no idea what I was preaching about today. I just wanted full disclosure. Your contribution doesn't mean your value, but your contribution does value. It does have great value. It does have great purpose and meaning. Greg, you went uh, almost every year that we've gone. You led the team. And uh, I'm so thankful for it. Uh, I know there's probably some things on your heart. And, and as we get close to wrapping up, I want you to share the story that you share with me okay. about uh, the, the gal who. Yeah, um, no, it was, a, it was a great time. So one of the things, and I gave it to Pastor this morning. We'll put it somewhere where everyone can see it. Um, but the, the lady, Angelica, who we built the house for, the, the concrete house that was in there was the one that, that we worked on. Um, Ten years ago, uh, she was given a gift from a team from a Celsi, and that gift was $50 U.S., um, which we would all think is very insignificant. Even there, that doesn't go a long ways. Um, but she was given a gift to start a business, and that was, that was her goal. So with that, she bought four pieces of fabric to, uh, no, 
don't think we put we didn't put any pictures on there of what the the ladies wear. Rhonda would know, and and others that have gone. They wear a short skirt, basically right about their knees, and she basically bought the material to make those four skirts. She uh, did needlework on them to make the decorations, basically to increase the value in those four skirts. Sold those four skirts, bought the material to make more skirts, and and as a successful business would go, continued to grow. And today she has a a brick and mortar building that she rents. Um, she pays, I believe, 800 Q a month, which is very significant for down there. Uh, in our dollars, that's just a little over $100 a month. Um, but 800 Q is a big deal. But she gives that in rent for that building. And she has her two daughters, their uh, teenage and preteen daughter, about 12 and 14, right in there, um, that help her now do needlework. And she has one day a vision to continue that and hire Guatemalan women. And so she really has that mindset of, of also generosity. Um, like RD said, you know, she brought water um, to, the, to the job site one day. Again, bottled water down there, that is a major, major, major luxury. Um, no Guatemalans down there drink bottled water. They drink water out of the river. Um, the final day she came with sodas, uh, Coke and 7-Up, and, um, and gave those along with some crackers. Um, again, big, big, big deal. And she was generous above and beyond probably what she, quite honestly, could have been. Um, but so anyway, with us building her a house, she's been praying for the last, oh, eight years, eight years to have a house of her own. She did not live in a house of her own. Um, she lived, um, her husband had come to America, or attempted to come to America um, about eight years ago. Uh, and he was, they believed that he was killed um, at a, at a, if he's still alive today, he is not supporting the family. Um, so he left them completely. But it's very non-typical for them not to hear about a spouse that makes it, even if he leaves the family. So um, presumed dead. Um, she's on her own. She moves in with her in-laws until they could, until, or actually um, they said, you know, we, we can't have you live here any longer. You're too much of a burden um, with you and, and your daughters and son. And so... Um, just working hard, she was able to rent a small place. But what we as a church, not not we as a team, um, we we did that. And talk about the house. And so, so they built house, with that house. She's able to move in. She's got a place of her own, and she's been. That was been an. And this is the thing that blew me away. Answer to prayer for eight years. Answer to prayer for eight years. A small contribution on our end went a long way in her life, right? We cannot discount what God is placing in our hearts to do. We can't discredit ourselves because God is counting on us to play a part. Kindness is our demeanor, and generosity is our endeavor. And I'm so thankful that this team went. I'm so thankful for your generosity as a church. As we give faithfully, we're able to do these kinds of things as a church from the resources that God has blessed us with. We're going to continue to be generous as a church. We're going to continue to be faith-filled in everything that we do. And we're going to live as people that as kindness is our demeanor and generosity is our endeavor in every single scenario that we go on. Would you stand with us? Uh, I'm going to ask Greg to pray over us and uh, that we would be impassioned. 
uh, yeah. to, to, to go and to live this way. He's all like ready. teared up. He can't ready. see no, nothing. I'm good. I'm good. Go ahead, man. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. God, we yes. thank you for the message that came forth today through Pastor Matthew. Uh, I just thank you for um, each one of us grasping a hold, grabbing a hold of your word, uh, that reality of, of jumping in and being generous, God, and having a countenance of joy in our, in our, in our demeanor, God. As, as people see us, they know, they recognize that, that we are yours, that we are believers, that we are Christians, and we are intentional with everything that we do, God. Uh, I thank you for the generosity of Faith Church. Um, Lord, we, we are a blessed people, and we just thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to uh, financially bless a family in Guatemala, God. Um, not just them, the Sheds as well, Aselsi as well, God. So many people are touched by the generosity of you uh, through us. Uh, thank you for the team, uh, God, that was able to go and to, to put their hands to work uh, for the last week, God, I just thank you for them. I thank you for their, uh, the faithfulness and the sacrifice that, that each one gave to go and, and to do, God. I thank you for, uh, for the body here. I thank you for your inspiration, God, to, to this body to continue to go out um, and to preach the word, to show the word in, in living color, God, just that uh, whether it's Guatemala, Fort Scott, uh, wherever, God, with uh, the O'Toole's in Ireland, God. I just thank you for all of the different places that, that we as a body are touching, and I just thank you so much uh, for that blessing, God. I thank you again for today. I thank you for this congregation that we would have a fantastic week in you, that everything that we put our hands to would prosper. And uh, we just love you, God, and we give you praise in Jesus' name.